0: I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lisa Evers. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on making music and making money. The music industry has turned into a multi-billion dollar worldwide industry, and it seems like so many people want to get into it. There are whole new avenues and ways of making money and supporting a career as an artist. But do you really know what it takes? Do you have what it takes? And do you know how to protect what you create? We have put together an amazing panel for this show with tons of experience and advice for you on how to do just that. So joining us, Navarro W. Gray, Esquire. He's with the Gray Law Firm. He's a partner. He's also an attorney for Fetty Wap and many others and a branding expert. Navarro, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is the one and only Roxanne Shante. Yes, that Roxanne. Pioneering female rapper. Roxanne's Revenge. She's a member of Marley Marl's Juice Crew and she is the subject of a new biopic that was produced by Forrest Whitaker and Pharrell. Roxanne, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Sophie. Thank you so much. Also with us is Londell McMillan. He's an entertainment attorney, advisor to The Prince Estate, and also owner and publisher of The Source and has been very active in the forefront of artists' rights for decades. Londell, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Great to have you. And also just straight off the plane and right here to the the Street Soldier Studio, uh-huh. the one and only Jermaine Dupree, hip hop and RB producer, artist, and songwriter. He's the founder of So, so Deaf Records. He's executive producer of the rap game TV show. And he's collaborated with the biggest names in the music industry, everyone from Mariah Carey to Diddy to Jay-Z and so, so many more. Now he's working with a lot of new and up-and-coming artists. Jermaine, thanks so much for being Thank with us. Awesome. We all really right. appreciate it. Landell, right. I want to start with you on this because you've been fighting for artist rights. Do you feel that artists have it easier now or, or are in a better place than they were back in the day when the labels had all the control?
1: Uh, first, thanks for having me, and and, and glad to be on this uh, panel with this illustrious group. Um, to answer your question, I, I think things are just so uh, revolutionary different. You know, technology has come into the game and changed so many things that, you know, it's like a reset button that's taking place. And so while things are very different, I don't know if artists uh, have it easier um, because now the way that the revenue is generated has been kind of fragmented across so many different platforms. And so learning how to actually uh, collect and generate revenue is is a new challenge Um, but some things remain the same you know as an artist you know the first thing we talk about the music business music comes before the business as an artist you still have to work on uh, your craft and build your talent and be around other people who can amplify all of the gifts that you got but then the business side of it is you got to work hard and figure out how to how to actually make it work and so you don't have to go to just three or four different record companies now you can go out and you can do things on your own you can put things out there. You can take more control, find different ways to do things. So it's just it's just an amazingly different time. But with respect to the laws, a lot of the laws are very similar and things um, are happening. But the digital ecosystem is creating a whole new both opportunity and challenge for many people.
0: And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But Jermaine Dupri, you are one of a very, very few group of artists, producers, performers, entertainers, executives that has really succeeded on all levels in all of these different roles for a long period of time, <coughs> both for yourself and also for other artists. Where do you see the music industry today? Can you give us like how Jermaine Dupri looks at it?
2: Um, I'm kind of like, Lundell, you just have to, you got to look at it from a different perspective than what than what is um, was there before um, I started making music. But I guess for me, um, when I'm sitting around thinking about music now, I think about what wasn't there when I was making records, right? Like, when I brought out Crisscross, Cross, it wasn't nothing that we all, we only wanted to be on the box. That was just, that's it. it the video music box. It wasn't box. VAT, it wasn't nothing, it was just the box. If we get on the box, we gon' pop. That's what the mentality was. <laughs> so, I look at it like this. If it's, I, I got Facebook, I got Instagram, I got Twitter, I got all this other stuff now. When I make a record, I'm like, man, I got so many other ways to, like, make sure people hear what I'm doing. It feels a little easier to me. It was a lot more difficult to me in the beginning because you you only had, like, one spot that you could really, really get going. So a lot of the stuff that I tell artists, if they're older or new artists, is that um, they have a lot more... A lot more platforms to make sure people hear that music. And a and lot it, more
0: avenues and, and yeah, opportunities. Definitely. Roxanne, when you started out, this was incredible. You were just 14 years old when you set off like this earthquake in the rap, in the whole rap community, in the rap world with, with Roxanne's Revenge. What do you wish people had told you when you were 14 about the music industry?
3: Um, honestly, I think if I could go back to my 14-year-old self, One of the things that I would love for someone to have told me was how important it was going to be to take care of your paperwork, how important it was going to be to know about your publishing and your writers and someone to tell me what a publishing company does and how important it is about mechanicals and what's inside of a contract, Um, more so than just telling me, go out there and have fun. You know, I think I I wish someone would have said, listen, do a little work before you just go out there and have fun. Um, That would be what I would really have loved to have heard.
0: Navarro, um, you've worked with Fetty Wap since the beginning of his career, and since he exploded on the scene with all those Billboard Hot 100 hits, what do you see as his career? Because you told me it's about more than the music these days.
4: Yeah, yeah, I tell a lot of my clients, some, most, most up-and-coming artists, that uh, just like Londell and JD said, the Internet is just an a open arena for putting your music out. Um, so I like to look for different avenues for my clients to make money you know branding, endorsements um, we sell uh, advertising on Instagram so if somebody wants a post you know they have to pay five ten thousand dollars to get a post because one click of a button you can reach million millions of people in the audience.
0: So you feel that those are important Do people understand those enough? I think a lot of the new artists do
4: they do they do. I think a lot of them understand, but they don't They understand the concept but they don't necessarily know how to do it and how to navigate and do it effectively because with all of these new um, arenas and avenues to uh, expose oneself, it is now cluttered. I think that there's now a lot of people that are all online uh, trying to put their music out.
0: JD, do you find when you you're working with some of these up and coming artists that it's they're like they have a skill at a very young age, like eleven and twelve. They know how to get those YouTube numbers, those views up, they know how to get the Instagram numbers up? Not not
2: really. Not to a point that, you know, I believe I know how to do it, but I think that they they are like you said, they, they shooting their dots, they trying, you know what I mean? But it's still, you know, um, it's analytics that you have to really pay attention to that 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 word is there for a reason right you know you got to know when to post you got to know when to do stuff and you got to read how your fan base is actually you know taking in what you're putting out a lot of people just keep posting and it starts feeling like flooding and you over flooding you know putting music up there and you like you don't understand it so you got to really pay attention to it it's still very much an education involved with all of this.
0: All right. Uh, we're talking about the making money and making music with our panel. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up?
2: It's The Game, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real
0: people, only on Hot 9-7. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on making music and making money, and have we got an amazing panel for you. Joining us, Navarro Gray. He's a partner with a gray law firm, an attorney for Fetty Wap and others. He's also a branding expert. Navarro, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us, the one and only Roxanne Chante. Yes, that Roxanne, the pioneering female rapper of Roxanne's revenge fame. She's also a member of Marley Marl's Juice Crew and the subject of a new biopic that was produced by Forrest Whitaker as well as Pharrell. Roxanne, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me, sweetie. Thank you so much. Also with us, Londell McMillan, he's an entertainment attorney. He's one of the advisors to the Prince Estate, an owner and publisher of The Source, and a longtime advocate for legal changes to give artists more rights and empower them. Londell, great to have you. Thank you. Please thank you so much. Also with us, the one and only Jermaine Dupri. He's a hip-hop and R&B producer, artist, songwriter, founder of so so Deaf Records, and his one of his latest hits, The Rap Game TV Show, which he executive produces. Um, JD, great to have you with thank us. You, thank you, thank you. Let's talk about creativity, because I'm sure you all have heard this as much as I've heard this. People will say, well, you know what, especially when it comes to hip-hop things aren't as creative as they were back in the golden, the quote-unquote golden era of hip-hop in the 1990s. How do you guys feel about that? It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. Why, I mean, why do you say that, Jermaine? Because there's more and more music. I mean,
2: well, it's the, the education of hip-hop is not what it used to be. You know what I mean? The education of hip-hop is kind of gone. And that's that's where that's where the lack of creativity is coming from because rappers used to be educated um, by other rappers that they saw and they wanted to be. Um, in this day and era, kids don't even really care about going to see other artists perform. You know, like when I was 12, I saw LL Cool J in the audience watching Run DMC. He was in the audience, like, you know what I mean? Like that's, Like taking notes. Yeah, like, like, like really watching the show. I was younger than him and he was in the audience. So I was watching him watch them that's the education that I don't you know I don't see that anymore and plus the artists that that I got a chance to see and people you know even you know I guess a little bit my age they don't you know these kids don't get a chance to see this like to see Naughty By Nature in their height when they was really doing what they was doing was an amazing education of hip-hop um to see Run-DMC really Run-DMC with Jam As J perform at the garden and 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 run tell everybody to hold up their Adidas and you see a whole crowd of 30,000 people take their sneakers off a whole one that, that's amazing right that's the right. stuff that that's the stuff that I'm built you know what I mean that's where I come from I seen that and I'm like this is the stuff that you start trying to outdo now kids ain't really they don't they don't have anything that they they trying to outdo um somebody that's well, on bragging rights like, yeah, like your girl like your girlfriend not, or yeah, I took your girlfriend or something yeah, it's just not. you know what I mean the element of it is to me is gone it's always like like Roxanne being his like she went after a song that was popping and she made a record that was more
0: popping than that record it's like and then that spawned everybody else felt that they have to get it Roxanne tell us tell us about that um, for for the, the people that are not as familiar as we are with uh with Ro- Roxanne's Revenge. Well, it started. You're 14 off years old. Mm-hmm. You're in the Queensbridge Project. 14, yes. by the 14, way. 14. That's, that's <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's incredible. That's key. <laughs> she
2: was 14 years old. She went after a group who had a record that was popping.
3: Well, you know what? Actually, it was the fact of, of being—it's like. Being a great battle rapper, and that's what I was. I was considered one of New York City's greatest battle rappers at that time. And I at would 14. go around. At, at 14, 14. I had actually started before Bad. then. And my mom <laughs> would take me around to battles. I remember the first time, I had, my very first battle was for like $50. And I remember my mom, and at that time, $50 was a lot of money. Still today, it could be a lot of money depending on what you need it for. But um, at that time, she took me to my first battle. And it became a source of income for my household where my aunts would find out about battles all over the city and be like, listen, I'm coming to get Shantae. I'm taking her to Brooklyn. I'm coming to get Shantae. I got to take her to the Bronx. You know, and this was for battles all over the city. So I was known for being a great battle rapper. So when the Roxanne Roxanne record came out, Molly said, listen, I need you to do a quick freestyle for me on the underlying beat, which was a big beat. So automatically, once you heard the boom, boom, bat, boom, boom, the first thing came to your mind was Roxanne Roxanne. So that's how I created Roxanne's <laughs> yeah, revenge.
2: Now, can I stop you right there? Yeah, yeah go Let ahead. Let me just show y'all the education of hip hop. First of all, ten kids right now don't know what she just even said. Like she said, she said the she said the big beat record right, which is a Billy Squire record, which. At 14, she's not supposed to know what that is. I mean, well, you know, that's that's right. where we are right now. Kids at 14 don't know who Billy Squire is. They don't know what Big Beat is. They don't even understand what she's talking about right now. So that's what I'm saying. It's like the education. Molly educated her at 14 she's she got this in her head she, she's speaking about it right now so that means she understands exactly what was going on that's the education i'm talking about she, just like that in and a let's nutshell. put it in
0: a broader context for for our, our newer generation there's no hot 97 at that time there's no 24 7 our hip-hop radio station mr magic had the rap attack show which is did. where i first heard it right the rap yes. attack playing on certain hours and the, the, the there was no internet there's no digital platform no the source no source magazine <laughs> no source magazine so this is this is almost like pre, for some people like prehistoric times for for hip hop and yet you knew all of that and had access to that that's incredible
3: absolutely and we call that the cassette time that means that if you had a hot cassette tape It was going to be re-recorded and it was going to be transferred all over. And a lot of times what people don't understand is that hip hop mainly got spread through the military because it would be men from the military who would come up here and get cassette tapes, then take them out to other states where they were stationed. And then that's how the popularity, that's how you were able to do shows, depending on how hot you were with the military. And then
0: people had the boombox with the the yes. dual cassette, yes. which we had our Street Soldiers first Street Soldier shows on on cassettes. And they were, the you know, you had the double boombox so you could record them. But Londell, you've worked with so many amazing, mm-hmm. like legendary artists, even beyond hip hop. I mean, from Stevie Wonder to the Jacksons, to Prince, to all of these people. And in terms of the creativity, Biggie and his family, in terms of the creativity today, honestly, yeah. do you feel it's being diluted or do you think we are not because some people say we're just not seeing the giants. There's not like yes, there's big success stories and there's huge artists, but are there are they having the same impact on on the on the public, on the fans?
1: Uh, I'll agree with Jermaine and say no, um, but I think a lot of hip hop artists in particular and artists today are caught in the lifestyle beyond the music right and so the lifestyle of celebrity the lifestyle of being famous and popular is as important to them as being a great artist and the education we were just talking about you know great artists are great students first so they study you know they study those who came before them they studied not just their craft and how they performed, but they study small things like the hi-hats and the, the, the licks and the music and the, the enunciation and the pronunciation, the tonality, the rap form. So, you know, I've had the pleasure of representing so many people, you know, Big Brothers, like you said, Stevie, Aretha Franklin I represented, Roberta Flack, you know, Michael Prince, and of course... You know, these people, you know, saw me as a younger brother, but I was also a part of the hip-hop generation. So working with them, represent Run-DMC and LL, Nas, Scarface, DMX. I mean, these are people I'm in the studio with and seeing their passion, but seeing their work ethic. And, um, and then they loved other artists. So they see each other, you know. Uh, God bless Prince. I mean, this guy just loved art and music and artists, and so he challenged hip-hop a lot by not giving them samples, because not that he was a hater, is he was actually a lover of music and musicians so that they could learn how to play the music, but... You know, hip hop is sometimes a little different. You know, it's an incorporation formula, it's a creation formula, it's a showing love for what existed already and trying to add a little other element formula. And so it's you know, I I love I loved it all. We used to have debates about hip hop. And so when you imagine debating like the world class (laughs) greatest musicians of all time about You're telling Stevie Wonder,
0: like, man, there's something to this hip hop thing. (laughs) Well
1: they all they all knew that because that was obvious. But you know, it's just I think that people came into their love of music a certain way, right? And so, while we're actually saying it's not as creative now, you got you know those people, little Gotti, Young Gotti, whatever his name is, Yachty and uh, all these other cats.
4: You know, <laughs> little, uh, yeah, no, little Yachty, Yachty
1: Yo Gotti. Okay. I, I, I own the source. I don't write for it, right? <laughs> Obviously. So, so I'm just saying. But that that community is like, yo, we, we 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 like what it is, you know. Or even you hear, you know, a lot of people call it mumble music, but you know, it's right. like a lot of music. It moves though, right? So it moves. It's every, the beat. Every, it's all about the every beat. Every generation has their own like appreciation for the art form and what goes around comes around right so it's gonna come back it's gonna come back and that's why I like what uh, Jermaine is doing you know with the rap game because by showcasing these young artists early and then teaching them and educating them about the craft is gonna allow them to kind of incorporate their own identity in the music and you're gonna see a broader diversity. And more
0: individuality. It. That's right. Okay, and note, we need to take a short break. This is uh, Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about making music and making money. We'll be back right after this.
2: Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks and real people only on Hot 97.
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. And this this episode, we're focusing on making music and making money. And boy, do we have an amazing panel for you! Navarro Gray is with us. He's a partner with the Gray Law Firm. He's an attorney for Fetty Wap and many others, and also a branding expert. Navarro, great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate also with us is Roxanne Shanté. Yes, that Roxanne, the pioneering female rapper of Roxanne's Revenge fame. She's also a member of Marley Marl's Juice Crew, and she is the subject of a new biopic produced by Pharrell and Forest Whitaker. Roxanne, great to have you with us. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you so much. Also with us, the one and only Londell McMillan, entertainment attorney. He's an advisor to the Prince Estate, owner and publisher of The Source, and a longtime advocate for artist rights. Londell, great to have you. Thank you, Lisa. Good to Thank be you. Here. Also with us, Jermaine Dupree, he's a hip-hop and R&B producer, artist, songwriter, founder of SoSo Deaf Records and executive producer of the hit TV show, The Rap Game. They have a tour that's coming up, SoSo Summer 2017 with artists and he's worked with the biggest names in the business. Jermaine, great to have you with us. Thank you. In terms of who sets the trends, Navarro, who sets the trends for the hit music
4: right now? I think right now the younger generation. You know, like um, just even with the the music and even with clothes. Back in the day, everybody had baggy clothes. Younger generation started wearing like tight jeans. I was looking at them like I'm never wearing tight jeans. Now, if you not wearing fitted clothes, then you're you're not popping. Right. But the- I think like with the music also, and because of the different media outlets, um, everybody is putting music out, but it's being glorified um, on the internet and on uh, through YouTube and Worldstar. These kids aren't even watching TV. Not. Not uh, reading, and they're just looking at World Star and glorifying that lifestyle where, you know, women have to have you know their bodies done a certain way. You got to order 20 bottles in the club, or or you're not popping. So everybody that's going out, or the majority of people are going out in that culture, trying to live up to that standard. I need a Gucci belt. I need a Audemars. I need to buy 20 bottles in the club and have five different girls with their bodies done. Then I can make a song, throw it out there. All the videos are. Uh, mostly looking the same and everybody's pretty much talking about the same things. But you might have like a few artists like Jake Cole, Kendrick um, and some artists at home that might want to go in that route but that route isn't as glorified so they're not thinking like okay if i be a lyricist I'm not going to make as much money. If I just throw some mumble music out or something that's just popping with a good beat, catchy I'll blast off. So they're just just, I think they're just feeding into that and just putting
0: out more. The whole lifestyle thing, Roxanne. What do you think about that compared to back in the day when you started out?
3: Well, I think what it is is just a different time frame, but it's mainly the same basis of it. Because back in the day, what most of the time most artists what they did was they tried to emulate or tried to imitate what was considered the street hustler they looked at what he had what he drove what he wore and then all of a sudden they took that and brought it to the stage whether it was the large jury, whether it was the always the clothes, street always the streets whether it was the name brands but it was mainly a fact of being able to say that was the type of lifestyle that they wanted to live a lot of times people will say to me as an artist now speaking the fact that I haven't made a record in over 30 years Mm-hmm. I haven't made a record in over 30 years. And that. I still and I still work every weekend. Now, what are the reasons why? When people say to me, they'll say, well, you know, Shantae, you haven't made a record in over 30 years, but your lifestyle still seems to be the same. You still do very well. Your kids do very well. You drive the delays. You live pretty good. Mainly it's because I'm sampled by artists of today. So I'm sampled by J. Cole. I'm sampled by Black Eyed Peas. So when they go platinum, I go platinum. So I'm still good. So
0: mm-hmm. you're still getting paid off records that you made 30 years ago
3: absolutely and what it is is that it took a lot of education in order for that to happen it took someone like londell to come into your life and tell you how important it is to get your paperwork properly to understand what the importance is of your writers and understand what it is what you're publishing because you'll have certain companies and even today which i can't understand how it happens today that they will still have artists they'll tell them listen you can do this but just give us this this doesn't matter and the just give us this. This doesn't matter. Part is your publishing. That's your the writers. part that you need. Wondell, well, yeah, explain for us so we un-
0: explain for us so we understand. When we talk about music publishing, so how is it that Roxanne is able to collect, you know, get money which she's deserved for, mm-hmm. for her creations from thirty years ago? How how does that work? Explain music publishing to us. What's the legality thing here?
1: Well, quickly, the legality is uh, that uh, the owner of a song originally is the author, the creator of the song right? And then you can sign something that can transfer or assign your rights to a publisher but if you're the author, creator, you have rights in those songs. So if someone else comes and uses, samples, interpolates, or takes a piece, they must get your consent, and you can actually earn revenue from it. There are four primary areas of how people are paid from publishing. You know, One is from mechanical licenses, which is like a sample. You take their music and you use it.
0: The actual sound of the, the music. The
1: actual use sound of the music from a physical form. The other way is public performance, which people know about ASCAP and BMI when songs are performed publicly, then that's another revenue stream that's generated. Um, the uh, the uh, third one is synchronization. So when your music is used in a film. So if someone takes that Roxanne Chante or s- the sampled version into a J. Cole song and it's put into a film or Eyes on Me or if it's put into you know Notorious, if it's put in the rap game, it's background, they got to pay for that. They got to get your permission. So you got to understand that. And then the fourth area is not used as much as sheet music Um, that used back in the day when, you know, you had people who actually Live wrote out music. Live bands But the the key, I think the big point that she's talking about is that when you're a creator and you know your business, you can always earn revenue if you know not to give it away, assign it away, and be up on it, and you follow your accounting. You got to trace the paper trail. You got to follow the money. You got to know how to do that. So when I got started in the business, I just went after the money because, like she said— the, the community that I'm from, they respect the streets because we got to eat. we got to survive. So you have to go out and figure out where's the revenue, where's the creativity. Bring it together and share it with your people. My thing about the whole culture is that I want us to share love a lot more, whether it's knowledge or whether it's the art, whether it's the gift, whether it's getting back out here in the streets. That's why I do Source. That's why I do Source 360 because for me it's about what are your values. And if the love is not back in the music, if the love is not back in getting the money, it's not going to work for us very well and it hasn't been working for us very well. So I'm like, let's make it work better, whether it's through new technology or doing the old school things that work. Let's make it work.
0: And make it work for everyone. Jermaine, when you, when you look at, when you create a song, and, and again, you, you've had experience on, in so many lanes with this whole music game. So when you create a song, when you write the lyrics and then you hear the beats or whatever, take us through those steps. So, so how does that get to publishing?
2: Um well I mean it doesn't you don't I mean you don't you, you don't actually publish it until you really saying that it's going to come out um um you can but majority of people don't um um until they actually put the record out then they start getting into the publishing situation and that's a lot of places where people have these problems cuz there's a lot of people now that just put records out on the internet and they don't even go through that process of even publishing their records so you put your record on the internet they get all these views. They going, they chasing likes. They not even thinking about the business or the music business. There's so many, I I was, I was surprised at how many kids that's producers right now that's had hit records that didn't even have, they weren't even signed to a publishing company or publishing. They, they didn't have anything going.
0: So I'm a little confused that there's only a certain number of publishing companies that you have to have your song registered with?
2: Well, I mean, he. That's that's you know the the not publishing companies. Publishing companies are it's a million of them. Everybody right. got a publishing company. Yeah. Um 'cause Because
0: we publish- hear rappers talk about like, yeah, well, I own my publishing. You know, like. So they think. <laughs> yeah. So so Navarro, how do you how do you own your public? What does I mean, that mean? It could be as simple. So like as- if Michael Medium writes a hit song, mm-hmm. okay, he yeah. writes a hit song, comes up with a hit song, and it's like everybody wants to play it. What does he? What what should he do, or what should any artist do? To actually protect it, themselves. I mean,
4: if he came to my office, I'd tell him set up a LLC. We'll, re- we'll, we'll that LLC would be his publishing company. We'll register him with one of the performing performance rights organization ASCAP, BMI, C-SAC. Throw it in there, and then we start registering the songs. And then now, if now he owns the publishing. As long as he is the author of the song or the author of the beat, he owns that. Until he signs that paper that Londell is talking about, that gives it away. Um, if he does. If he does. And then hopefully I would tell him not to, but I, some hopefully people, hopefully won't. Yeah, they sell it, they sell, you know, they get an advance and they assign it away for a certain amount of years.
0: But Londa, what, what about if people don't have that kind of resources to get an attorney? Well, well, that's, that's true
1: because I agree with Brother Navarro. Um, however, as a matter of law, the uh, ownership of a creative work is vested when it's created. So it's created by the author, the creator, in the first instance. Now, to protect that work, You know, you want to register best and get it copywritten if you can. However, it's yours. Now, if you want to be your self-publisher, just like if you self-publish a publish means to disseminate, to push out, to publish, like J.D. says, to put it out forward. So if you put it on the Internet, isn't that publishing? um, Yeah, it is a form of publishing because you pushed it out. Right. Um, But not in a traditional with a publishing company, Uh, right? But you're the owner when you create it. You wanna protect it so no one can say, Well, they created it also. Now this is a, this is a very important part about, about, about copy under copyright law, right? If you create it with others, you're a co writer, you're a co publisher, and absent a written agreement, all parties that contribute to any one recording or creation or song are equal owners. Equal unless there's something in writing now typically in our space people go you did the beat i do the lyrics we do a 50 50 that's kind of like a handshake general common industry agreement right but technically you know you want to make sure whoever's in there you need to make sure like you're not writing on this song or you're writing on this song you got to protect yourself so the ownership in, is when you start to create how you protect it and how you start to generate revenue from it is when you disseminate it and you publish it
0: to the Rox- public. Roxanne, how did you go from being that, you know, being that female performer out there, not really understanding that there were all these things, to getting all your paperwork in order, so you're still getting paid 30 years later, which is Excellent. incredible.
3: Well. Um- it happened when I happened to look at a song that I knew only me and Biz Markie was the only two people in, in the, the studio. Well, you know the only two people in the
1: room. So you're only ones who could have wrote it, <laughs> you know right?
3: Like, like, like did, there was no, there like were there like 20 no guys standing in the back. This was our first time actually being behind the board, which meant we did not even have an engineer. So it was just me and Biz, there was no one else there. And then when I looked at the Incredible. song, there was seven people on there. And I was like, where were these other five people? And who are these other five people? And this was at a time when I had some time at home, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? I need to find out who these five people are and why they're licensing this song. And now I need to find out what is licensing.
1: Now, the and only way that could have happened, it. though, is if you were one, and let's say whoever else was in the room had pre existing agreements with four other people that they assigned their rights to before they came in the room.
3: Right. And under those circumstances, back in the 80s, that may have been a possibility. But with this specific song, I was like, no, there's no way. Me and Bliss didn't even know what we were going to do. Jermaine, what about what about that? Have like, you had like, people we like what some of your- And yeah. just made a right and went into the studio. Like we <laughs> were <laughs> even going <laughs> to the like, Nobody even knew we were going to the studio. Pick up some right
0: sneakers that. and go into the studio. Jermaine, <laughs> what, have you had experiences like that where people, you've you've had to, wait a minute, th- this isn't what I created, this isn't what somebody else created? Um. Some, I mean, well, I've had people
2: lie and try to say that they, you know, that they sent me demos and the demo that they sent me sounds like the Mariah Carey record that came out and I don't actually listen to demos that sent to me like that. So, um, this, you know, you have to deal with that, that lie uh but i'm 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 what you call a 100% in the music industry it's not many people like me i i write and produce the entire record right so i don't be having too many people yeah. i don't have to argue so it's just many. you in the room so you know if there's anybody yeah, I mean, for no, else for, for most for most part, like a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of times it's just me in the room but i mean you know i had to you know i had a, I had a, my first um i guess meeting with dealing with samples like what Roxanne is basically talking about, where it's like, if you look at like a crisscross record, um, and I sample Eazy-E, and I sample Ice Cube, and I sample um, a couple other records, right? When you look at the writer's credits, it's gonna say Jermaine Dupri plus 15 other people, right? right? And I had to, um, I had to like really I was 19 when I made the album, so I had to really like wh- who was all these people. I basically was saying the same thing like, how do they, why they name up here? And I actually started <laughs> seeing that at like the ASCAP Awards. It, you don't really see it until somebody like And like they're cheering yeah, for your, there. like they're taking and the award you, for your
0: you, song. You're going on
2: stage and you get a plaque for what your records, I mean, you know, you get this award for how good your records <laughs> did, but then there's all these other people that's coming up on the stage too <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that you never seen before. And I'm like, you And you're like, what's going on here? And this is the first, like, like, I'm learning this right there at this. So I mean, I, I definitely experienced that same thing. Well, you But you gotta, you gotta understand what that is and you gotta, you know, in hip hop, like he said, we are—we it's cool for us to sample, and it's cool for us to, you know, touch other people's musics. So we have to, you know, you gotta almost um, talk to yourself before you even make a record. Like, if you take this Bob James, just remember that Bob James probably gonna get fifty percent of this song, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and it ain't but another fifty percent for you, right? Right. So you gotta start, you know. It's some people that sample records, and they get like, you know, it's hundred percent gone. They don't even get paid at all. Wow, that's
3: yeah. incredible. But they have a hit. Yeah, they got but a they, hit. But they have a hit and they're not yeah, getting yeah. paid for yeah, yeah, and it. And yeah, these are yeah. these
0: stories that we hear of these artists that have that have these big hits and then aren't making money. Well,
1: you it. know, I can give you a great example. I was in a car. I was in a limo with Prince one day. And I was saying, you got to hear Biggie's new song, Juicy. You got to hear Biggie's new song. And I saw, I played it. And then I played. And then Prince just shook his head. He said, yep, mm-hmm. It was a hit when then Toomey first wrote it. And it's a hit now that Biggie sang over it. Because the first track was "Juicy" by M. Tume, right? You know, and and then when Biggie, Biggie just added so much color, so much flavor for this generation, you couldn't deny it. But it was a big hit. "Juicy Fruit" was a big hit. "Juicy Fruit" was time a big well, hit too, right? right? So some people like the new hit better. Some people like the old hit, but it's just all—it's it's almost a form also of flattery and respect and adoration, right? Um, but you got to get people's permission, or otherwise they're gonna take your song.
0: Exactly. All right, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about making music and making money. We'll be back right after this. Yo, this is Shaggy, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa
4: Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people only on Hot 97.
0: Shug it up. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about making music and making money, and we have an amazing panel. Joining us in studio, Navarro Gray. He's a partner with a Gray Law Firm. He's an attorney for Fetty WAP and many others, and also a branding expert. Navarro, great to have you. Thank you for having me. Also with us, the one and only Roxanne Chante, the pioneering female rapper of Roxanne's Revenge fame, member of Marley Marl's Juice Crew, and she's also the subject of a new biopic that was produced by Forrest Whitaker and Pharrell. Roxanne, great to have you. Thank you, sweetie. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being with us. Also with us, our good friend Londell McMillan. He's an entertainment attorney, and advisor to the Prince Estate, and also owner and publisher of The Source, and a longtime advocate and fighter for artist rights. Londell, great to have you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank good you so much. Also with us, Jermaine Dupree, hip-hop and R&B producer, artist, songwriter, founder of so so Deaf Records, and executive producer of the new hit TV show, The Rap Game. And Jermaine, great to have you with Thank us you. in the, in the studio. Yeah. Let's talk about what really makes a hit. Has that changed, Jermaine? Um, in terms yeah. of the elements, do yeah. you think? Because yeah, yeah, you've definitely. had hits through all different genres of music and yeah. so many platinum you probably have you probably have to get houses with walls just to put up all the plaques. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well it's definitely it's
2: definitely changed. It's like he said, it's um it's super trendy now. You know what I mean? What What but, do you mean but, by that? Um like you can copy somebody else's record and basically probably get a hit record. But a hit record compared to the hit records I guess you was you know some of my records is different. It's a different thing like um, These are records that's just like microwave. They just come and they go. They just come like and they go. Like fast food There's records. Very, very come and go. It's not food records hits. that last and around here that you want to hear 10 years from now. um, And that you're excited about hearing 10 years from now. You know what I mean? And so it's like... um. That's that's the difference in the whole music business is that, yeah, they're getting these hit records and the, rec- the radio stations is following what record sounds like this and this, that, and the third, and then they play it, and it feels like it's a hit to these kids, but it's not really a, in my eyes, it's not really a real hit record. and If you can't, if it's, especially in hip-hop, hip-hop has always been something that, to me, if you hear it 10 years after... And it's still hard. Then that's when it's a real it hit. Still record. Sound, it still sounds. It still sounds
0: really good. Navarro, what about the trend though? That, like everything is collaborations. Like as soon as to get on, people try to do these collabos with different artists or the fe- the different features. And then once they have a hit, it's like they take a hit, and it just keeps getting remixed and remixed and remixed and remixed. And remixed. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's diluting the impact of these hit records?
4: I, I really think so. Um, it, from a smaller standpoint to a larger one, both you have you have people that are that are not on and they see an artist that's about to, that, that's, that's being popular and they have a hit song, they immediately start reaching out to try to get a feature for cheap. Then if they get that feature, they'll try to use that artist to propel themselves up. And I don't have, a, you know, I, it makes sense, A plus B equals C, um, but then you have artists that are already on that, I think that's smart as well. Like if you have an artist that's been out for a while and there's a new artist that is gaining popularity with a different genre, genre or with a, a different uh, audience, audience, then jump on that record, so you can you could now get exposed over there or exposed to a younger age group. But do know. you think it's
0: Roxanne? Do you think it's diluting like the the superstars and the na- you know names?
3: Well, I don't know if I'm going to say if it's necessarily diluting it. I mean, back in the days, we used to call it the Island Factor. I mean, I'm getting ready to date myself. I don't know if everybody else remembers this, but the Island Factor was whenever there was a hit record, you would always hear a reggae version of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they called it the Island Factor. Still do. (laughs) You know, so like if there was a big hit, then all of a sudden you heard the reggae version of it. And what it did was it actually took that record and exposed it to a broader audience and made you get a different feel about it and made you feel a different way about it to a certain extent. So it would be, I would take it that now, when you listen to these artists what they do is they truly have the island factor even to down to the same beat like where they would have a great beat a great rhythm and then all of a sudden you would hear five different versions on that same rhythm which made them all a hit but what happens the downside of that is no one gets to be that one big star instead there's five versions of that one record so what could have been sales for just one person has now been divided Amongst five because each one has their own way of liking it. Or I might like their version of it. I might like their version. She likes his version. So therefore, it keeps them from being that one big star. So that's the downfall of it. So though it gets out there and exposes them to a larger and broader audience, it doesn't allow them to get that full financial benefit if they were the only one. That's true. What
0: about what about that, Lundell?
1: Well, I agree and disagree um, because I agree in terms of that as the artist. You know, Roxanne Chante is definitely hitting on something that a lot of artists why they don't allow for the publishing. But you know, similar to, but for the for the songwriter is different. You know, I think Dolly Parton once said that when she wrote the first song "I Will Always Love You," uh, uh, she was able to open up her bank account. But when Whitney Houston sang it, she was able to buy the bank. You know, and that's because another artist came and just made it so much more explosive. So I, I agree in part, Um but, you know, the Island Factor is a, is a different production of the same song. That's a little different than a sample We're seeing a lot a more mi- of that of influence something. in the
0: music. And yeah, where they and, and
1: camouflage it. You know, samples sometimes can camouflage, and people don't even know that it came from something else unless you, like Jermaine says, unless you're a student of the music.
0: Jermaine, what about the in, in terms of the artists? And in, ter- in terms of the, the newest and youngest, because you're working with some very young artists in the rap game, and you're going to have them on your social summer tour. In in terms of the qualities, do you see a difference in the qualities, or is, or is that kind of like classic of the combination of qualities you need to be a successful artist? Tell us um, about that.
2: In the artists that I'm working with, or just period?
0: Well, both, I think.
2: Uh, well, I mean, what what I'm doing with the rap game, what I what I'm starting to see, what which is not something that I set out to do, but it's it's I guess since it's called the rap game, these kids are actually coming wanting to be rappers which is the best thing that I've ever seen period because there's kids that's 14 15 16 that are actually trying to rap and if that that's what I was telling Lundell earlier if this if I can get that message out it'll curve the hip-hop community back to what I believe I grew up on and you'll have you know and when I was growing up in in hip-hop and I was on the Fresh Fest. You had five different versions of hip hop. Curtis Blow didn't rap like Run D.M.C., and Run D.M.C. didn't sound like the Fat Boys. And nobody of them, none of them three sounded like Houdini, right? So that there—that's where hip hop to me is missing. Like everybody wants to sound like Fetty Wap. Everybody want to sound like Gucci. Like it's—it's it's room to have Gucci Man, Fetty Wap, and then throw something else in here and then throw something in here. It's money out there to be made like that. People don't understand that. So it's got to become, that's what it's got to go to. More individuality. Yeah, I'm happy to see that these kids, and I think the kids are starting to pay attention to, you know, they look at Kendrick and they like, okay, why do people like Kendrick? Why do people like Cole? Why do people love Hove, right? I think the kids. I'm starting to hear more and more kids start understanding that they understand that people like them for a different reason, and they're starting to try to discover what that different reason is, and that different reason is education and lyrics.
0: And also, all of the all of the uh, the stars that you you mentioned, all these hip hop stars, giants, are all individuals. They're all authentic. Yeah. I think that's one of the things you'd have to say they all have in common is they are who they are and they they created their own lane. I mean, I like 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 Roxanne said it's 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 and it's a couple of it's a
2: lot of kids out here that really want to be stars. And if you really want to be a star, you have to figure out how to separate yourself from all this that's going on. And that 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 in itself would teach you and take you down a different way. Right, but lane. I think
0: it's also, too, with any any media form, you know, it's it's always the clone. The clone zone is like a human reflex where you have, there's a success and people are like, well, what can we get that's kind of like that but a little bit different that's ours? Well,
1: you know, the, the key has always been how do you take something that's familiar that you've been inspired by so that represented the past and bring your own originality to it? You can look at almost every major superstar They're reminiscent a little bit of something in the past, but they bring that old, unique, special part to it. So you asked earlier how to make hit records. Hit hit records are different than classics and, you know, records that are like creative classics that's going to stand the test of time. You know, when you're a classic, you're able to take the elements of what came before you and bring your own creative gift and speciality to it. And that's when you're going to be a very, very major, major force. And that's why I think Jermaine and others as producers and Roxanne as artists and others. I mean, even happens in business. I mean, even, you know, we. I look at people who came before me. You know, I I look at the best ones. How did they do this? How did they do this? And they, what do I bring my own piece to it? Style, fashion. I tell everybody, whoever listens to your show... Study. Find out what inspires you from the past, but know what you bring to the table yourself to take it to the next level so that you can leave a legacy of your own.
0: That is great advice. Navarro, what about that? I
4: mean, it, it, it's right here in the room. <laughs> I read about <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> Londell before, you know, I was in law school, and I looked up to him, at Middleton, and a few others, and I'm like, okay. And no disrespect, like, and respectfully, all right, he does what he, he does, but I'm, I'm different, so I want to take the best part that I can learn from him add my own twist to it and there now here I am.
0: So with all, with all of this and also the other thing too is the accessibility to different genres of music, the accessibility to all music because of the internet, because we have it on our phones, it's right there. People can learn. If you want to learn, you can learn. It's pretty easy.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you're not going to learn it this, I mean, the music business has always been a business where you gotta touch it. You gotta get out here and get in the mix. If you ain't in the mix, you ain't gonna learn it on the internet. I'm—I'd be damned if I let anybody learn more than I know from being on the internet. You gotta be <laughs> in <it>. like—well,
0: <laughs> that—I mean, come on, you're, okay, I mean, you're I mean, in a—you're I mean, in a class like, like, like the, you're in a league of I your mean, own. I just—I
2: just, you know, I—I I mean, I, I grew up in hip hop, you know, in the. In the A golden era of hip hop, but when I couldn't even get into places that I was supposed to, that I was going. You know what I mean? It was clubs, I just sneak in just to, and I wasn't trying to be, you know, smoke or drink. I wanted to be there for the culture, just for the hip hop, just so I could see what was actually happening. And that part of it is still going on, but you got to get out here and get in the mix. You can't learn that on the internet.
0: Right and see how people are feeling the music and they're feeling the the. Song. I mean, yeah, you just gotta
2: so you can understand what it's what it what it means to do a show and when, why you're getting booed. Why you know, if you get booed at a show, why am I getting booed? You gotta go to somebody else's show to understand that. Right.
1: And you know, I just wanted to say you know, you gotta be in it. I seen this guy in it. We used to go to Jack the Rappers. I was a wannabe lawyer. I wasn't even hidden. I didn't even think I had a client. And I saw this guy up there young, and he was bringing his whole team of people from Atlanta on. They were out there. He had the rappers. He had Escape. He had, you know, Criss Cross. And he inspired me. I said, dang, he's young? And that's what hip-hop is. It's always been about... You know, inspiration. Right. And he inspired me. And I was like, wow, he's doing it up on that stage. Well, I don't I don't do the stage thing, but I, I'm going to go and get in these books and I'm I'm going to be the, the best I could be what I can what I can do. So you, 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 you can look at the Internet for familiarity, but you're not going to become a master of the craft unless you're in it.
0: No, you definitely, you definitely, definitely have to be in it, and I think that's great advice from from all of you about, in terms of pursuing whatever your your dream is. There's and there's so many ways in hip hop to be involved. I don't think I could do what I do with if I hadn't been in it. You know, like on the ground. Touching it in there. Yeah, You've
1: f- you been in it. <laughs> Hell's Kitchen, in it. We'll the say the old that Hell's part, Hell's another
0: kitchen. show. Absolutely. <laughs> shots fired, talk, Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll Absolutely. say that. The book. Yeah, I'll do a book. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Roxanne, f- final word for everybody, especially for women, because you, I, I want to just ask you this one question. As the only woman on the panel, but also we talked a lot about women in hip hop too, and how that's kind of some you know been, been tough still tough for females in some ways but do you think we made progress absolutely
3: absolutely i think one of the things that i can say about um, females now in hip-hop is i am so proud of how they handle their business as far as understanding now that they are brands understanding now that they have more say so understanding now that they can take on their creativity and that they can have that that final word you know, I am very proud of them. Also, there are a lot of uh, young female artists out there that need to understand that this is a business. This is not a bedroom. This is this was considered a house. You do not go to the bedroom. Instead, you got so many other houses inside of the house. There's so many other rooms, like the living room. You know, you make records inside of a studio. The promises are made, you know, and so many times, so many of our young women are misled. And I think that happens with just any industry not just the music industry but overall understand that this is a business and please take care of your
0: business all right take care of your business there it is I want to thank all of you for being with us uh, for this episode of Street Soldiers Navarro Gray Roxanne Chante Landell McMillan Jermaine Dupree what an awesome show and so much inspiring information thank you all for making time to be with us we really appreciate it it. I'm Lisa Evers and thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers remember use your mind it's your best weapon I hope it's your only weapon let's push for peace